Hey, it's Jose Galison of No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. Also, just about everywhere audio podcasts are at. I'm no longer going to be running the Liberty Movement YouTube channel and BitChute. Uh, I need to do an. I need to do like a short little blurb here soon to kind of like go into detail because I would like to find someone else to run it for me because I think it is a good thing to keep going. I just don't have the time for it anymore. Uh, but not to get too much into that. Just so you all know, it's it's down for the moment. So if any of you guys do watch on the Liberty Movement, usually that YouTube channel, you might want to fucking come subscribe to mine if you aren't already. Um, today, my guest is Clint from Liberty Lockdown, and we're going to be covering the clear pill. Um, we'll go into that more. Um, as always, give me fucking money because I like money. Um, you know, a lot of you all know I'm going to be going through a big transition here soon. So any little bit you can give me helps. I do want to say thanks, though. You guys finally got me a point where I'm not losing money. So that's something. Technically, at this point, I make a dollar an episode, you know, once I take into account, you know, having to pay for my streaming services and shit. So, hey, that's fucking something. Took me six months to not lose money. You know, it is what it is. Not trying to get rich off this, just trying to have fun. Uh, yeah, you can give me money at patreon.com. So, that's no way, Jose 2020. You can also give me crypto at endthefed.app. All right, let's fucking get Clint up in this bitch. What's up, dude? What's up, Rohan? Hey. I'm happy to hear about your transition. That's, uh, I hope it goes smoothly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what they take the Audi and make it an innie, you know? Yeah. yeah I'm pumped for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just so, if any of you don't know, I am active duty military and I'm getting out here soon. I fully intend to. I'm not going to lie. If some crazy financial shit happens, I got mouths to feed. Call it evil if you want. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fucking re up. <laughs> but, well, if, we, if we go to war, you may have no choice. So we'll find yeah. out. I mean, part of what we're doing in this episode right here, Tom, with the clear pill, is part of, I mean, call it what you will, but. I see the writing on the wall and I partly is like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm completely anti-military in a sense. Like, I mean, I'm an ANCAP, so like, it's not my shit. I'm not about it. But I mean, part of why I want to get out is due to like what we're talking about here and how I see things going in the future. That'll play into the clear pill. Uh, before we go much further, Clint, I mean, everyone should know who you are by now. I mean, you've been blown up. You got the Dave seal of approval. You're fucking... I remember when you were down in the in the triple digits for subscribers, and now I just every day I poke in on your YouTube and just fucking shitload more, just just yeah, going gangbusters. Yeah, it's going really well, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dave's Dave's the golden goose, and he laid yep. he laid an egg for me. Um, in truth, I, I was actually doing pretty well prior. Uh, when Pete came on, that really helped spike things, and it just kind of really exploded after that. Having Vin on and all these other big names is like crazy, and I'm hoping to get uh, Barricade Garage and. Maj Ture and Eric July and you know all of the the black and caps just trying to you know cancel out the the bold uh Nazi look so that people don't think I'm I'm down with that shit <laughs> yeah dude I've been I've been wanting to get barricade I sent him a couple <clears throat> shit here and there he's fucking hilarious I mean y'all don't know, know him barricade garage go check him out he's on YouTube he's fucking like imagine if Dave Smith and Maj Ture had a baby like that's yeah. what he is <laughs> yes. I got him booked for May 5th oh shit you fucking you got his attention we all right well I guess you know <laughs> <laughs> comes with the territory. Well, I'll uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll drop your name when when he comes on. Okay, yeah. T tell tell him I said that he's mixed with Dave and fucking Mosh. He is. He's like an unsung treasure. Like I I don't know. I'd never heard of him until someone showed me a while back. I'm like, this dude's fucking awesome. Yeah, so, he, I mean, he just yeah. he just rips like ten to fifteen minute clips in his in his truck. It seems like he's at work. I don't know. Uh, yeah. but I, I love the dude, so I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, Barricade Garage, I looked into it. I mean, it used to be like a mechanic thing, and then I just, over time, somehow shifted into something else. But he's, like, fucking hilarious and based as shit, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to be a, yeah. he's gonna be fun to talk to. I, I don't know anything about the guy other than a few of the rants I've seen him go on, so um, it'll be interesting to, you know, introduce him to the world that, you know, that doesn't know about him already. Yeah. Uh, so, you were, before you the Dave, I mean, you were, I'm not to, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying you got all your shit from Dave. I mean, that just oh, everyone no. knows once you get that Dave moment, it fucking, it blows up. So, yeah. you were, you were like, what, to like 600, 800 subs, and you've been doing around six to eight months around the time, which is pretty goddamn good. Like, I know a lot of people like spend years and years and years to, before they get to <laughs> even a few hundred subs. So, well, in, in like, truth, you were killing it. In truth, so. my, I only started my YouTube in December. Um, so, I, I was strictly an audio podcast for the first six months of my existence. So when I switched over or didn't switch over, but I added the YouTube and the video medium, um, that was, I, I pretty quickly got like, you know, 500 to 700 um, subscribers. But the, uh, even, even now I still have probably three times as many audio only listeners as I do on YouTube. 
uh, or YouTube subscribers. So yeah, it's uh, the audio medium is still the the focus for me. I guess people like to listen to me more than they like to look at me, which I kind of agree with. I do have a better voice than I do a face. So uh, yeah, that's that's how it's going. And and obviously, yeah, going on on part of the problem was enormous. Having Dave come on my show was enormous, and then having him and Pete talk about me on part of the problem without me even knowing that I was on his radar and saying, "Oh yeah, Clint's great, Liberty Lockdown, da da da," and Pete's fucking blowing me up, and it was like. It was just such a great clip, and I think that, I think that alone, <laughs> keeping that as my pin tweet, so like every time someone checks out my my profile, I have that clip of like hopefully someone that they recognize that they can click it and go like, okay, well now he's been approved by senpai, as I, I know you call him all the time. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a, how it worked. That's some like meme shit from like uh, anime stuff. It's like notice right. me senpai, but <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I mean that that's the key to success, really, in this thing is just get get everyone to love you, you know. And so. Yeah, well, that that helps. <laughs> that helps. I, I mean, and also get a few people to hate you. That's that's yeah. how it goes. Yeah, the right people, you know. It's it's, right. it's you know, it's all about networking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, like like I said at the beginning, I want to get into the clear pill, and this is, I guess, we'll kind of go into the whole pill thing. I wanted to define terms first. I'm sure most people understand all this shit, but me and you kind of define terms. Uh, I kind of want to go in the quick progression first, at least what I think the normal progression is. It's like you start blue pilled, you go fucking uh, red pilled. And a lot of people will say like, there's like, might be like a purple pilled like stage or whatever. It's not an exact science. This is just some shit, some bros on the internet made up. So like, don't expect too much out of it. But so roughly blue to red and then from red to black and then from black to white. And then I think from white to clear. And that's what we'll get into first. But we'll kind of like, we're going to mostly focus on the black and the white here because I think those are the ones more pertinent to the clear. Like, because the uh, blue and the red are more about like your, I guess, kind of almost like, it's not necessarily political orientation, but I guess kind of how you view the fucking cathedral, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of how those ones are. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and start with terms. You want to define the, 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 or, you know, first off, do you disagree with that progression at all? I mean, obviously the clear pill, I haven't really introduced you to what it is. I and mean, we may have talked in passing, but does, does that sound like an accurate representation of the general progression? I think the only disagreement I would have is that I don't think red naturally leads to black. Sometimes it, you can skip black and go straight to white. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, yes, I think that's a, a really good description. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, not exact science, but roughly, I think that's how it usually works out. Sure. Um, I mean, so we'll go ahead and start. Uh, we'll do the blue pill. I don't know if you want to provide a definition for that. You know, I mean, I'll let you have it. You're the, you know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, blue Blue pill to me is just someone who believes that your best interests are being looked after by the government, by the media, that you're not being lied to. And if you are being lied to, it's completely unintentional. Um, it's kind of like a fresh baby coming out of their mother, you know, like you're just, you're just a little bit naive and God bless, you know, in some ways I, I envy those people that can still watch the news and feel like they're receiving the truth. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't go back. I very much, uh, it, I, the reason I'm red pilled, the reason I've gone down this path is because I follow the truth and it's not, it has nothing to do with my comfort zone. It's like, you just have to keep progressing. So uh, that's, that's my definition of the blue pill. Do you have any difference? No, I just want to kind of provide a problem. I mean, that's a good one, but a good, a good way I like to look at it too, is it's a, it's kind of the minarchist position of like that everything's just incompetence, that the issue with government is that it's incompetence. It's not that it's evil. Uh, and then I feel right. like, you know, not to to go too, but obviously the red pill would be more like they're evil. So I mean, obviously evil and incompetent. But you know, it's I mean, if you it's a whole thing. Like I mean, people have probably heard Malice say, you know, don't eat, drink, or have the whole fucking bottle or whatever, because that's where you get there. Nothing but evil. I think it's kind of dumb to think the entire thing is just evil. It's evil and incompetent. But yep. to, if you're looking at it as simply incompetent, I think you're in a blue pill position. Because I do. If you genuinely don't think there are evil actors within here, or like really even if it's at its root evil being controlled by evil people i think it's kind of a blue pill position i think i think at its inception if you if you are already considering that you're even being lied to you're not fully blue pilled because i think that the blue pill that i'm consider that i really think of that are like truly blue pilled are the people that are like did you hear what dr fauci said <laughs> you know and it's like that's the gospel um so i think that even even if you are aware that you're being lied to you're already into the purple realm. I, maybe I'm giving too much credit to people, but like you're already in route to the red. If you if you're aware that e- even if you're only aware that one side is lying to you, like I feel like if you're a Fox News viewer or if you're a hardcore CNN 
viewer, you are already aware that there is deception within the media realm. So I, I wouldn't consider you a fully blue-pilled. However, I would still consider you blue-pilled because you believe that one of these entities is telling you the truth 24-7, whereas you and I would probably believe they're being lied to almost all the time. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the red. Uh, I mean, we kind of already defined it a little bit. I don't know if you want to add more onto it. And... Yeah, I, I mean, for for me, and but for people that don't know, the the origin of this entire concept is just a playoff of uh, the Matrix, where they have the red and the blue pill, and, and uh, Neo is offered to take whichever one, and if you take the red, there's no going back. If you take the blue, you go back to your comfortable bullshit world. Um, so yeah, for me, the red pill is just accepting the fact that there is truth out there, but it is not what you're receiving on a day-to-day basis and that uh, you're essentially become kind of a, a missionary to attain it. And oftentimes it can go awry when you take too many of them, as Malice has said, and then you kind of end up in the Alex Jones realm where everything's evil and there's truly satanic people that are running everything and, and you have to fight them with your mortal soul. Uh, I try to avoid going that path. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's pretty fair. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much to add to the, the red pill. That's just when you realize that they're evil, like it's, it's evil. They're lying to you. Like this isn't, I mean, at its root, it's just fucked essentially. So, I mean, really, honestly, I think it, a good way of looking at it is the minarchist anarchist divide. I mean, it's not perfect because there are blue pilled anarchists, but roughly speaking, usually that like minarchist anarchist divide kind of usually holds up. Cause I know like once I like cross that divide, and I, could, I just couldn't see things from a blue pill perspective anymore. Once I crossed that, I read Anatomy of the State. And at that point, I was like, fuck, I'm an anarchist. And uh, from there, I was like, it was red pills, you know, nothing but. Yeah. So. Same same path for me. The only difference was I was raised into libertarianism uh, by my dad. So I found the red pill, even though I was already a libertarian, which is kind of unique. Because um, usually the red pill leads towards libertarianism. So that that's the only difference for me. But otherwise, I agree. Yeah. All right. Black pill. Yeah, you want to go and definition of that black pill is just once you realize that you're being lied to and you're you're finding truth in other corridors and other uh you know narratives you start to get really depressed and feel apathy and hopelessness and and you tend to believe that this, the deck is so stacked against you that you have no chance of of prevailing um so that would be kind of i guess i guess QAnon would be more white pilled which we'll get into but um QAnon has a narrative that's blackpilled in that, you know, we're being ran by literal pedophiles that are sex trafficking and murdering children. So uh, that's pretty blackpilled. Uh, but then they have this belief, which I is why I consider them whitepilled in that they're going to have this, this, uh, you know, knight on a white horse come in and save everybody. And Gandalf and, coming over the hill, uh, the, the hill of Helm's Deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking more Trump, but yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, black pill is just pessimism generically. That's yeah. Um, so move on to white pill, which I mean, if you you can, it's the converse of black. But I mean, if you have anything to add to that, uh, no, that's about it. I mean, it's it's just it's finding optimism and hope within the darkness. Even though you're red pilled, you've now you've now come around to the fact that like if enough people get red pilled, you can now maintain optimism that this system is actually salvageable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's, yeah, it's just optimism basically. But like, I do think that progression is like, re- generally speaking, is red to black. Cause like, once you realize that the, the, this is like, that this is like a, the cathedral and it's all created, like it's just essentially evil and they're lying to you. I mean, a lot of times despair follows that. So, mm-hmm. and then from there, I think that despair is what then causes you to kind of get ready, you know, to start being like, well, if we're fucked, I need to do some shit. And then from there, once you start getting a little bit more ready, you might start feeling like white pill, like, oh shit, we got it. Um, so we'll, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Clear pill is just realism. We'll get into that more, but, uh, I just, so now it's essentially just a melding of the two, but I want to back up now to black pill. And I just kind of want to provide like anecdotes of like black pill. Like for me, like my big black pill, when that shit fucking set in was, um, it was the co the coup the the coup. I always call it the coup, but like the when coof. the COVID, the coup when it was hitting fucking hard. Like for me, that was like oh shit. Like I mean, I was already red pilled at that point, but I guess I kind of got lulled into a uh, false sense of security or of security where I knew shit was bad, but I thought that like it was gonna be like my grandchildren that were gonna be dealing with it. Right. And now I'm realizing like it's probably either gonna be me or my children that are gonna be dealing with it. And so now that's why there's more of a sense of urgency, and that's when that black pill kicked in. And with the black pill, it caused me to be like, all right, well, shit, I need to get my stuff together. I need yep. to like start like, I mean, not, not to say that I have everything together. I mean, I start like, 
You know, I, I fucking panic bought an AR. I already had a few guns, but I was like, you know, I mean, there's a reason why they want to get rid of ARs. Those are pretty goddamn useful for fucking <laughs> fed boys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And, and I think that anyone that was awake, even somewhat prior to the lockdowns, became very awake immediately after. You know, we were like, okay, the, the tyranny that we feared, that we kind of expected, as you said, for our grandkids to deal with, it is upon us. And, and I did the same thing. I went out and became a total prepper for like 60 days after that. That's where you go down the, the preparation path of precious metals and cryptocurrencies and, and guns and ammunition and um, you know passive income through investing and all sorts of things that you know is a good idea probably anyways. But when you start to see a, a tyrannical government take hold, it becomes vital. Yeah, especially with the way things are here is like it may not seem like it's that bad, but I feel like it's lulling people into dependency is what's going on now. Um, so that's why I do think it's very important to even though you might just want to be like, well, cool, we got stimmies or whatever. And don't get me wrong, I'm all about fucking give them stimmies out, bitches, like fucking keep them coming. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I get it's not good, but I'm going to take them stimmies and I'm going to use it to make myself more independent like not right. more dependent on you because i know a lot of people that the problem is it's like it's kind of creating this divide with people where some people are like taking this and creating further dependence upon the government whereas you know the smart people are like well i need to fucking do something with this shit <laughs> exactly and and that's that's what kind of the message of my show has been is not so much take the stimulus money and and go do that but do it regardless and if the stimulus money helps you do that then you better fucking do it because uh the clock is ticking man and i think that Anytime that you're in a collapsing empire and the government is starting to just hand out money, uh, it's a really good idea to use that to buttress yourself from what you see coming. So I'm glad that so many people are doing that now. I really think it's important. I'm not as blackpilled or whatever you want to call it as Ven Armani in that I think that you have to flee the country immediately. However, uh, I think there's a distinct possibility that you will have to in your lifetime. So you better have some fucking resources to be capable. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I do get that it's not ne maybe not entirely necessary. But if I had the ability to, I totally would be doing that too. So, I mean, I mean, right. more for like your progeny, it would be the thing, you know. Sure. Like, like I said, I think it's gonna be more. If anything, I know it's a little bit selfish, but I'm more like of the of the. I mean, I don't know if I'd cons entirely consider myself collapsitarian. It's more just like I accept it's probably gonna happen. Mm -hmm. But I would rather them just keep stimming the shit up because. I think with the more stimmies, the the greater the divide they cause between the prepared and the unprepared. And I think that opens some windows. Um, and also on top of that, like I'd rather deal with my time than my children's. So that's that's my thing. So well, I have because I have my kids are a little bit they're of that age. And I'm like, fuck, it's probably gonna be them dealing with it. So I'd rather just fucking collapse, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I get that perspective, yeah. uh, you know, from my from my vantage point, I'm just trying to you know, I don't I don't really care about the fiscal security of this country anymore because as you said it's kind of inevitable at this point in my opinion it's completely inevitable at this point so my interest is if they're going to bury us in debt i would rather that money be given to us as opposed to given to political creatures which is how it normally happens and in truth even though we have received more money from our government over the past year than we have historically uh, it is a fraction of what the corporations are receiving so even in this environment we, we are still being taken advantage of. So I don't want anybody to be, feel fucking grateful that they're giving us some bailouts. It's like, this is, this is a pittance compared to what they've taken from us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just really, you just need to see it as inevitability and just go roll with it. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I figured too, while we're still here on the subject of the black pill, I don't know if you have any examples of black pills uh, in this current climate that we can kind of focus oh, on. Man. Sure. I mean, there's I mean, a lot. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's anything to stick out to you. I mean, I think that the, the push for, for banning guns is the biggest black pill. Like uh, to me, the, the biggest black pill of the past year was that there was no meaningful pushback against the lockdowns. Uh, the fact that people were willing to sacrifice their basic freedoms for a modicum of increased security was tremendously blackpilling for me. Um, so that, that would be the greatest black pill that I can think of. Uh, then there's the fact that they're considering uh, stacking the Supreme court, which would make the rule of law. Essentially it'd be a single party, type monopoly as opposed to the duopoly, which has not been beneficial, but the monopoly would be even worse, particularly with the Democrats in power. So I, I that's a black bill for me. And then the gun bans and the fact that we are, um, you know, borrowing and printing $7 trillion over the past 12 months, uh, God knows how much over the remainder. And then you have the, the amount of foreclosures and evictions that are currently pending, but in moratoriums that that is also kind of a black bill for me. So I could go on all day. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it is. It, I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, the funny thing is a lot of those things you said, I actually can see a silver lining of, and actually they kind of not to jump to the next topic, but a lot of them kind of are white pills in a sense, if you think about them from a different vantage point, sure. but, um, fucking yeah. The, one of the biggest if, ones for the if past you're prepared. <laughs> yeah. If you're prepared, but one of the biggest things for me, like from the past like year or two was the fucking like how there was no effective pushback. Like I know the Boog movement got huge in the past few years and not that I, I mean, I was for a minute kind of romanticized it because I used to be more like the minarchist type, you know, like 1776 type individual. But over time, I kind of was like, I mean, I got to the point where I saw the boog as an inevitability. And then after a while, I realized like, oh, that's not going to happen. Like I have this like idea, this romantic, this romanticizing of America of the this, you know, this spirit of rebellion, you know, whether I agree that it's useful or not, you know, because usually every revolution creates just a new fucking establishment. But I thought I had this feeling that that fucking spirit was somehow still in there. And I was kind of like, they're only going to be able to push so far. Like, yes, I, I know, had the exact I same. <laughs> I had the exact same arc. Uh, I was a total believer that there was a huge swath of this country that would never allow themselves to be locked down. And because we are the most heavily armed nation in the history of the world, I mean, we own more than 25 percent of the total guns on Earth. I thought that there was no chance that tyranny could really take root in this country because I thought people would fight back. And I think what I learned is that while there are a lot of guns, there's not a lot of will to use them. And I'm not, I'm not lamenting that fact. I'm a peaceful person and I don't really want violence, but at the same time, I very much would prefer, you know, dangerous freedom over passive slavery. And, and as of yet, we are, we are yet to see any meaningful pushback. The only pushback that we saw over the past 12 months that was meaningful was on behalf of you know social justice causes and things like that, which I think are valuable. But at the same time, the fact that you couldn't get any meaningful MAGA rallies to to push back against the lockdowns uh, was was very blackpilling. Yeah, especially because I don't feel like it really takes much. Like if you just have an effective like group of individuals, you know, like you you, you can't you can't enforce it. It is what it is. But you know, when you get broken off into groups and the gang called the police, because there were some actual uh instances during the, the lockdowns where there were ones who were disobeying but they were few and far between i mean there were a yeah. few good stories of which they made it work out but there were also a couple where the cops just came in and stormed the motherfuckers and right. that was that you know well the, but, the problem is is that there was so few that they're notable you mm -hmm. know like you can actually think of some of the businesses that you heard about fighting like attila's gym in new jersey and there's a handful of restaurants that you might have heard about on like tucker carlson and things like that but there was no significant and nothing nothing even coming close to eclipsing or, or matching the amount of protesters that got on the street for George Floyd. So uh, I think that that was it was both uplifting and devastating all at once because it was like I was happy honestly to see people get on the streets. I was just really sad to see that it was for that purpose and that purpose exclusively where they were painting anybody that was opposed to the lockdown as a racist. I mean that like if you were an anti-lockdown person you couldn't even really march alongside the Black Lives Matter people. And, and to me, they're fighting the same fight, whether they know it or not. Um, they're fighting against the state and tyranny. At least that's at, at its root. That's what they're actually fighting against. And, and I granted, they don't know it, but um, I think that that's, that was the most heartbreaking thing. And, and I said it and I got a lot of shit from libertarians that are like, oh, you don't know about Black Lives Matter? You don't know what it is? Yeah, I know what the fuck it is, man. I know exactly what it is. But I'm talking about the people on the street that thought that they were doing it to end police brutality. Like those people should be reachable. And the fact that they aren't is like, man, we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, no, fucking, that was a big black pill too for me. The fucking, because like, I not gonna lie, I, I had like a big like white pill moment when the fucking, uh, whenever the whole like George Floyd riots happened. Cause initially like, it was they were legit like targeting like fucking police stations, courthouses. Right. And I mean, I'm not going to necessarily say I support that or not, but I mean, I got a little bit of a chub, but <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, it's pretty fucking dope. Like, right. but then the, that, and there was this energy of like, like kind of brought the Black Lives Matter crowd, the Boog boys, some of the libertarians, like, and it was kind of this melding. But then it kind of shifted and became what it became and became this mm -hmm. attacking the private businesses. And like um, it, kind of, it kind of ties into a point me and you had on an episode the other day, uh, the Tower Power Hour, when we were both on it. Um, mm -hmm. And I was kind of talking about and this was actually in reference to a specific individual because we were talking about how like the 
the cult of, of uh, personality. We're talking about with Dave. And I feel like this is a good example of that. I mean, there wasn't like a, a single individual. It was just like the Black Lives Matter thing in general. It's like people got caught up in that, like the energy of being like, look at this. This is cool. But then once it went the wrong way, too many people weren't able to be like, uh-uh, and fucking step back. You know right. what I mean? They didn't have like a consistent place of like, no, I'm fucking out. Like yeah. they, they, lot, most people just like kind of rode with it and kind of were making justifications until they were so deep into making justifications that now they just kind of had to be like, it's almost borderline stick with it. And that's that's where we got a lot of that divide from the libertarians this year too. Yeah. So. Well, and that's that's the danger of, of Marxist tactics is that they use human nature against itself. They use like this this desire to protect the downtrodden and to lift them up and and that i mean this was a perfect example of it they had i i don't know about where you're at but where i'm at i saw more white people marching for black lives matter than i saw any other minorities so this was a very um unified movement if you consider it just based off race and and the fact that like people didn't realize or recognize that we aren't each other's enemies by seeing that was really sad to me because it's like you you look to your left and your right. You're surrounded by white people. Like, do you honestly believe that that every white person that's not there is an overt racist? Like, it's it's just perplexing to me that people can think that, you know, if you look at the civil rights movements of the 60s, it was largely black people in those crowds. It's a very different vibe now. And and I think that's that's really hard evidence of how much improvement we've made. And yet people still tend to portray it as if it's not evolved at all, that we are just... You know, we we uh, you have Georgia voting laws and it's Jim Crow. It's worse than Jim Crow, according to Joe Biden. I mean, yeah. it, this is just it's just a bizarre kind of gaslighting experience to witness all this. Yeah, it is just bizarre. Like, I just I, I don't know. I just can't even understand that reasoning. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people get caught up in it, but it's like, sure, you can find racism. But it's like that doesn't mean it's a pervasive thing no. to like you think it is. Um uh, let's move on to the white pill. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, like the white pill generally leaves out of black because the black gets you prepared. Uh, that's kind of for me, my, like the little anecdote I have is it was kind of like once during the COVID, once I started getting all my shit together. And that's when I started seeing like a white pill because like I started networking, starting to get to know my neighbors, you know, uh, started developing some skills, all sorts of shit. And I kind of started seeing like ways out of it, you know, mm -hmm. like how this would work. Um, so I don't know if you have anything similar in anecdote. I mean, I'm, you said earlier, it was kind of the same thing. Yeah. I mean the, the, obviously the, my show taken off and getting to meet all you guys and, and to feel as if I wasn't alone in this fight was certainly white pilling. The fact that there's thousands of us that, you know, probably tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of us that, that really see this stuff and understand it and kind of have each other's back was, was a feeling that I hadn't had. So I appreciated that. That kind of white pilled me. Um, in truth, until I flee California, which I intend to do in July, I don't think that I'll be fully white-pilled because I, I still feel like I live in enemy territory, even though this is my hometown where I was born and raised. And in truth, I probably won't feel white-pilled until my family also flees California. Um, so that's that's the hardest part for me is like, I, you know, yes, I, because I'm financially free, I can, I can look after myself and almost certainly survive whatever comes, uh, especially with my worldview that like I'm preparing now but I'm very concerned about my friends and family and I, I don't know how to reach them. And, you know, fortunately I've reached many of them, particularly with my show because many of them also listen. Um, but it's just, it's just scary, man. It's just scary because like, you're not going to be able to save everybody. Like that's just the truth. And um, so I'm just, well, I can, I'm trying to fight as hard as I can to reach as many as possible. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, I don't know, just to provide a distinction here, you're in Cali, I'm in Florida. So it is like, I, I do, I have to remind myself sometimes how it is other places. Cause it's like, I got it pretty goddamn good here in Florida. And I, and sometimes I forget like, cause <laughs> yeah. like oh. I hear you talk sometimes and it's not the experience I have. And it's not to say that Florida is like completely expunged of this shit too. I mean, there is, I mean like certain places I, I feel maybe compelled to wear a mask or some shit. I mean, but even then it's like half the time I don't really have to, I think I got someone asked me to wear one like a couple weeks ago and that like, and I put it on, I was like, oops, my bad. And that was it. And even then that was like, seemed out of place. And it's like, that's awesome. you know, like it's just, that's just how it is here. I mean, yeah. I live in the, I live like 45 minutes outside Tampa. So like when you go to Tampa, I mean, like it's kind of like that, but even then in Tampa, like most places you can go in the mask, no one say anything. I mean, there'd probably be 
at least half, if not more, will be wearing masks, but no one says shit to you if you don't usually. Okay. So to me, that's actually really blackpilling though, because the fact that Florida is looked at as like the freest state right now because of DeSantis and like just perception wise, um, you know, the fact that it's not a hundred percent back to normal is really concerning to me. Like we are a year into this thing. We know the risks. Many people are vaccinated. Like it's, that's really, that's, that's a pretty bad black pill for me to be honest. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. I mean, cause like, I don't know. I guess that's kind of like, that is the perception outside the world as it is like completely, but it's not really how it is, but it's a lot of the businesses thing. So it's, but even then it's like, like I said, like no one really enforces it. So it's, I really do see, think he, in the future in Florida, it's just going to die off. Like, cause I just don't see that being able to be a thing that they push for in Florida. I just well, don't. As long, as long as it does, uh, Florida's near the top of my list for relocation. So uh, God willing. Yeah, like like I was getting at where I'm at, like out in like the country, like because I live like 45 minutes outside Tampa, like no one wears their shit. And then like, but there are people. I mean, there are some people who do, but even then, it's not like no one gives a shit if you don't. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's like I guess there are people who do. And to be fair, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much. Not to get in the weeds, but there are like some people that sure, okay, you could probably justify maybe you should wear one. And I understand that. Like I don't know. I mean, I don't buy into the science of it, and I get a lot. But most people aren't like that well educated on that stuff. And so they just think, you know, I have an elderly, you know, grandma that lives with me or whatever, which <laughs> sure. But most people, that's not the case. And if that, it, I really don't, can't understand it all. If you don't have any sort of, you know, immunocompromised person you spend a decent amount of time with, there's, there's, it's kind of hard to provide any reasoning for it. So, I, like, I, I can't, yeah. I can't come up with any reason yeah. for it. Honestly, it's like, if you're young and healthy, I don't understand. And now that, now that there's enough vaccine available for literally anybody that wants it i just feel like this is a total non-starter issue like you cannot possibly maintain these mask mandates and and that's why i'm fleeing california because i feel like there's a chance that they just continue to roll this shit over us forever and and i can't do it and i I have to i have to go somewhere if i have to leave the country to get there i will because it's like the masks bother me that much like it really does yeah, no, I hate this shit. Like, I there was a period of time where I was like kind of going along with it just because I just didn't want to deal with the hassle. But I just basically don't wear it anywhere now. Like, I mean, my thing is like if someone asked me to, which is that's a, a rarity. If someone asked me to, I will. Like, if I'm at if I'm at some business, they're like, "Sir, could you?" I'd be like, "Oh, my bad." But I, I'm at least I'm the very minimum I'm going to make you ask because right. like, I mean, why the fuck? And I know a lot, I know a lot of people got really gay at the beginning of this with like fucking private property rights and shit and be like, "Oh, if someone sets a rule." But it's like, I don't know, if I had a buddy who set some rule and then I don't obey that rule, it's more, I feel like it's on him to be like, get the fuck out. Like, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm if not, I just, <laughs> I'm not going to cut to it right away. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it's on you at that point. And, you know, I completely agree with property rights. If those people want to be like, get out of our establishment because you're not following my rule, I'm like, okay, whatever, fair enough. <laughs> right. right. So, well, and, and it just, it's such a misleading argument, anyways, because, these mastic takes came down from the the government. So like, I don't know. I don't know how you even get into this argument of, Oh, it's a private business. It can do what it wants. It's like the reason it's they're doing it is because the people have been propagandized to believe that they're under threat. And the propaganda came from the government. Like, sure. I mean, but the, like, for instance, if the government was propagandizing that all white people were dangerous so that white people weren't allowed in, in anywhere, in any establishment that forbid them, would we all just be like, this is cool. Like, no, Obviously, we wouldn't. We'd be like, the government is evil, and the businesses that are doing this are also evil. So I just think that people really need to shake this entire knee-jerk libertarian defense against uh, or or in in defense of businesses' property rights and all this bullshit. Because it's like, no no business would have done this from the inception, or very few would have done this from the inception if it was up to their own decision-making. And if the government had never mandated it, I don't think it would have ever been rolled out as pervasively as it was, not even close. Um, so that's that's why I push back against it so aggressively. Yeah, I think that's part of that whole like private property bro type argument or private company bro argument. Why <laughs> I think part of why agorism blew up so much was because of that. Like that's one big thing with Konkin, which I don't mm-hmm. know if you've read Konkin. Uh, I mean, but like that's one thing he goes into is a lot in how like he like it's almost like a little bit leftish in, in a way like left libertarian in a certain sense. Cause he's very much like anti-corporation, but right. not in a, but more in the sense of the whole idea here of like 
it's the government that enables them to be at the size they are. And if there wasn't a government, they wouldn't be like that. So right. I do think there's some reason why agorism became such a trendy thing this past year. It's because it really was hitting on some shit that I feel like, and don't get me wrong, Rothbard did touch on it, but I don't feel like he emphasized it. Yeah. So it wasn't like, focus. yeah. So, and I mean, to, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he's not a fucking, he's not a prophet. So, I mean, he didn't, it wasn't like he knew what way we, what, what way this fucking empire was going to go. But, yeah. you know, he didn't know it was going to be the fascism route. But I think that's why, you know, Roth or Konkin kind of resonated with a lot of people in this past year. It was kind of like yeah. because he put more of a focus on that. You know? Ma- makes sense to me. I mean, just if you're if you're trying to diagnose what's coming and you ap- you happen to hit it right, which Konkin did and, and Rothbard somewhat did, um, yeah. it makes sense that the the former would get uh, more clout in this period. And it's unfortunate because I wish we didn't go down this path. But here we are. Yeah, no, I, I had to provide that caveat that Rothbard did because I knew someone out there was get all upset that like, well, no, Rothbard did. did too. I'm like, yes, he did, but it wasn't an emphasis. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay. Like, Relax, nerds. We're fine. Yeah. Like, I love Rothbard too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. He's the reason I'm an anchor. Yeah, so. yeah, same here. So fucking, uh, anyways, we're supposed to be focusing on white pills. So let's go on white pills. One thing you brought up uh, that I thought was a really good white pill because I started podcasting roughly around the same time you did. Like it, I was blown away by what an easy fucking not maybe not easy is the right word, but what a inclusive is not the right word either. But it was an, a, a welcoming, welcoming community, yeah. you know. There you go, because like fucking literally, the there's probably only two people that I think I probably couldn't get. I mean, if I really right. tried and right now, and they're probably be like Tom Woods and Dave. Like and right. even then, that's because like really, they're probably the only two guys that are like the ones that you have to get you really got to put in the work to get them. And that's no not shit. to say anything bad about anyone else. It's just, they're like, they're like a different breed. So like, yeah. well, I, I mean, they're the only ones that are like really making a living at this stuff either. So I, I think that's the other thing that people forget is like, this is a very, this is a very small pond that we're swimming in. So like, yeah, there are two, two, maybe five medium, two big fish, maybe five medium sized fish. And then everybody else is kind of down, down at the bottom. So, um, I think that's that's why it's ripe for new voices, and I think that's why um, people are so friendly to each other because it's like we're all we're all trying. It's I love it because it just feels like a, a total meritocracy where it's like there's only going to be a handful of us that just as I'm I'm a you know I'm an entrepreneur I'm a capitalist I'm a businessman so like the way I view this is there's only going to be a handful of us that you know get everybody's ears and it's going to be based off merit like simple as that. So like, we're going to all, we're going to all help each other. We're going to all lift each other up and then may the best man win. Um, but the fact that people are so, uh, friendly about it and everyone helps each other's shows grow, I think is a beautiful thing. And, and I'm, I'm happy to be a participant in it. Yeah, no, it's been fucking awesome. Like, I mean, there's been so many people, I mean, it's one of those things like when you get into it, you're like, I mean, you kind of almost weirdly like starstruck. I know it sounds like cringy, but like, and then you get like, cause I remember when I had Pete on, I felt like kind of weird about it. Cause Pete. Like honestly, Me like too. Pete, like Pete and Dave are probably like my two biggest. Like I guess I don't like the word idols, but like I don't know heroes or whatever. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, I have disagreements with both of them, like fairly big disagreements. But whatever, like I mean, I don't feel like I should have to say that. But they are people who have heavily influenced my thinking in a lot of different ways. So yeah. it was like having Pete on was like fucking like what like yeah, and every, every um, yeah almost every person I've hit up for to come on the show has not only been ex- like yes immediately we're generally speaking pretty easy even scheduling wise like because right. you kind of assume they would be like divas and be like well i have this that this that <laughs> i mean i will be honest like pete w- but he's a busy guy so i mean it was yeah. you know he's legit a busy dude so i was but, entirely and I, and expecting honestly, that <laughs> i don't i don't think it makes you a diva if your schedule is packed up because like i'm in that position now so i hope i hope people don't think i'm being a diva when i'm like yo i gotta schedule this out like a month because my calendar is fucking full man but um yeah, I, I think that I, I had the same exact experience. I mean, Pete was the first, you know, quote unquote, big name that came on my show, and I didn't expect him to say yes. And the fact that he was willing, and the fact that he liked me enough to, you know, invite me on his show, and and the fact that then he goes on part of the problem and he talks to Dave about me, that probably I probably wouldn't have got on Dave's show without that. So it's like you just never know, man. And and it's it's awesome that um, these guys that are already making a living at it are willing to lift the rest of us up. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I mean, a big thing though, Dave, if you or not Dave, but Pete, if you have him on, and he says it a lot, like he doesn't want to do like libertarian one hundred and one shit. I, yes. I had, a, I asked him to come on to re-review the Mandalorian. So- <laughs> oh no shit! <laughs> I think I, mean, I watched, I watched a bit of that. But oh, I, did I, you? I, yeah, 
I had I never actually, seen The Mandalorian, so I had to shut it off. <laughs> I was actually a little bit embarrassed by that because, like, I actually had a lot of shit going on in my, like, personal life that day. But then I was, like, so I wasn't able to prepare like I wanted to. Right. <laughs> so I was a little bit, like, but I was, like, shit, I don't want to reschedule. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, let's go for it. Yeah, and I, and I also was super nervous because it was Pete. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you got any other notable white pills from this past year or so, or like just things that you can think of? Because I know I, there's some I can think of. But yeah, I think that the other big one for me is cryptocurrency. I mean, I think that that there's a real chance that that becomes kind of our lifeboat. Um, I'm also nervous about it, so like it's not without its perils. But I mean, any lifeboat is going to be perilous. So I, I think that I think that that's our, our greatest hope for carrying any semblance of wealth from the collapse to the other side. I mean, also, I think that pre- precious metals play a role and I would recommend that people do not go. I, I think diversification is very important in this environment because we don't know what's going to survive the collapse. Even though a lot of people are ride or die Bitcoin or they're ride or die Ethereum or they're ride or die gold and silver. Like you don't know. You don't know what's going to be the best medium of exchange in, in this un, unknown future. So, um, but anyways, yes, that, that would be my, my white pill. Yeah, I one one I want to touch on that kind of leads into the next point of the clear pill. I mean, leads into it big. I think there's been a big um, energy towards nullification and secession, and I and I, you know this kind of also weirdly kind of ties into it. I also think, in some sense, Biden is a fucking white pill, because like I know is a lot of people scared and they think like oh he's passing this law or this or that, but at the end of the day, like yes, but what teeth do they really have? And then on top of that, like, really just look at the motherfucker. <laughs> like, you really don't think people, because, I mean, I don't know if you've read Larkin Rose's book, the, uh, uh, was it the um, Authority, or fuck the, God, I can't think of the, um, the, fuck, uh, Most Dangerous Superstition is yeah. what it's called. And it's, the whole idea is that government is essentially religion, and it's like the the myth of uh, authority is what it's, mm-hmm. like, essentially centered around. And like, so the idea for me is to dispel that authority. Cause like, what's the difference between a mob and the government? Like perception of authority. That's it. Right. Like, so if we can get people to drop this perception of authority, then it goes from being a government to a mob real quick. And what best to do it than a fucking senile, inept, corrupt old man. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, the, I'm, I'm, I'm both white and black pilled on Biden. Like, I think that he is, the figurehead and the empty empty vessel for ushering in some of the most dystopic policies that you can imagine. So I think there's plenty of reason to be blackpilled about the Biden presidency, but simultaneously, he is a very beatable opponent. Unfortunately, I don't believe he's our opponent. I think the people that that run him are our opponent, and I don't think that they're fragile, senile old men. Um, so that's I don't know. You could you could be black or white, depending on how you look at that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree, but at the same time, I feel like that implies that now their puppets are deteriorating. So, like, what does that say about them? Like, That's what true. kind of what kind of grip do they really have? Um, I I actually you know? agree with that. I I do yeah. think that their their grip is very tenuous. Like they mm. they don't have us how they used to. And and I think that the the fact that you're dealing like if you want to be really positive, if you want to be really white pilled, which is Malice's new kick is you can look at the fact that they're doing censorship so pervasively as evidence that we're actually doing something here, that we're actually making a difference in the American ethos, that we're, we're breaking through to the deeply indoctrinated and we're starting to get them to think outside the box, but not just think outside of it, but push outside of it. And, and they're trying to keep us in it. So um, I think that there's, there's reason to be hopeful there for sure. Yeah, and uh, this kind of moves on to the next point, the clear pill. And the clear pill is realism. And so the thing is, there are black pills and there are white pills. And I think we need to move away from this. I mean, this is something that was like we were kind of indoctrinated to. And even as anarchists, I feel like it's hard to dispel this idea of nationalism. As much as we may mock it, to some extent, we're still caught up in it. Mm -hmm. So we have this idea that, you know, the USA is either going to go good or it's going to go shit. But it's not that simple. Like, it's not zeros and ones. Like No, it's not. Yeah, (laughs) None none of this really is. Yeah. So the way I see it, a good analogy to kind of like, bring into picture here i was thinking about this the other day is i feel like the fucking state right now is a dying beast and what happens like say if we look at it as a lion let's say the state's a lion like lions patrol like tons of miles i don't remember exactly but something ridiculous the amount of land they patrol and you can almost say that's their property or whatever 
Now, let's say the lion's dying. It's wounded. What is it going to do? It's going to recede to where it feels comfortable, like where it has the, the biggest foothold of power. And that's going to, you know, maybe like say it was a fucking Simba, it'd be like Pride Rock or some shit. So like, what is that now? That's the fucking, that's like, that's blue states and fucking cities. Well, so, like, or, or if you want to make it an even more yeah. elegant analogy, you can say it's the capital surrounded by barbed wire. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you want to, if you want to be really white pilled about it, it's like these dudes are scared. So, yeah. And so, but the thing is too, the other thing with a da- with a, with a fucking wounded beast is it becomes more dangerous yes. and it's also more present in it's like in its home location. Mm-hmm. So the thing is like, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, we want to stand and fight or this or that. And like, you can do what you want. I mean, I mean, maybe there is some, some like merit to it, but like, say you're, say you're right outside pride rock may not be the smartest idea to be chilling there when the fucking wounded lions around, you know, like right. maybe you ought to move a little bit further. And with that, I think it provides a more of a foothold we can have in other locations, you know? And yeah. like, I, so I, I, I that's kind of where basically it makes yeah. it so that they, they can't so aggressively and successfully defend the entire territory is essentially yes. what you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. like they can only, only really defend these small enclaves and that's demonstrated demonstrated pretty definitively by the fact that you know as you said the red states they're kind of they're kind of having to relinquish their power over and and i think that as desantis has been successful politically i think it's a really good sign that the re- the other red state governors will become more and more you know freedom oriented and, and libertarian oriented and and i hope that's the case i mean it's yet to be told but um let's hope yeah no i, I definitely and that's why I'm saying it's not as simple as black or white. I do think that it's a little bit of a, you know, a range. It's more about putting yourself in the right, right spot going forward. It's also, you got to think generationally, sure. like, you know, like kind of like we were talking about with Vin, where like, maybe it's not necessary for him to be in Saipan now, but you know, his, his kids and his grandchildren are going to, you know, reap the benefits of it. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so I, I, Konkin talked a lot about this a lot too. And his, um, New Libertarian Manifesto. Now he predicted that the downfall of the state going forward, like he kind of predicted that they would kind of recede to like bubbles almost. And, but within those bubbles, they would stamp down further power. So to a, to a smooth brain or someone doesn't think about on an elevated level, it may look like the state is getting more authoritarian and way more dangerous, but it's like sort of, but not really, they are becoming more dangerous within a more closed in area. If anything, they're, they're, they're dying. They're, they're trying to maintain some foothold of power and that's it. You know, it's, it's true. I think that the, the biggest existential risk to us is that in their death throes, which is what you're describing, they initiate a war that's truly catastrophic. And, and that is the biggest risk to me is that they go to war with China or Russia or Iran, or some some big boy. I mean, Iran would be the least of our concerns. China or Russia would be catastrophic. So um, either way, it's catastrophic. But you know what I mean. So that that is that is my biggest concern: is that will the dying beast die at least somewhat peacefully, or or will it go down swinging? And if it goes down swinging, uh, then then Vin is going to look very prophetic for having fled when he did. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Well, I really, obviously, I hope for the best, and I hope that that the state can kind of go the way of the USSR and disband in that way. Um, even though that'll be very tumultuous in its own right, I think it would be probably the best case scenario that we could hope for at this point, as opposed to maybe a, a peaceful secession movement where the red states band together. Even though I don't really want to be in a red state, I, I would like to see that as an option so that I don't have to consider Saipan or some foreign country to flee uh, the catastrophe I see coming. I mean, personally, I mean, obviously, I'm not a prophet. I don't know how this exactly is going to work, but I would think even within blue states, if you get to a more rural area, you probably will be okay as well. Because I don't think it's going to be red and blue perfectly is how it's going to work, but I think it'll be more rural and city. But then, obviously, I think red states will probably be a little bit better overall. So I I, I just meant I just meant in terms of secession. I don't think that you would see many blue states banding together with red states for that secession movement. I think it would probably be be a, a pretty politically aligned secession. So. I, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be very interesting, but I, I do tend to believe that uh, America will be balkanized within our lifetime. Yeah, I, that's definitely the way I see it, too. And that's why I think it is important to look at it from the clear pearls perspective of, you know, it's realism. I got shit I got to do and I need to start moving that way. Mm-hmm. And like and I know he'll be like, oh, well, what about other people? Like, 
the end of the day, like, I mean, I want to help everybody I can, and I'm going to sit here and keep screeching into the fucking airwaves of what you need to do, but if you don't fucking listen, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's the truth. We can't, I, I have a, as severe a hero complex as anybody else out there. I, I really, really spend a lot of time on my show trying to advise people on, on how to best prepare and how to survive what I think is coming, but I'm not... I'm not God. I'm not capable of saving everybody. So um, at the end of the day, I'm going to look after those that are closest to me and those that I love the most and and uh, try and reach as many people as I can. But yeah, it, it's it's incumbent on everybody else to take that responsibility on their own shoulders because like it's going to be daunting. Like we, You need to do it for yourself. And for the mentality of a lot of people are like, I want to like stamp down in this area and fight and push back or whatever. I mean, depending, obviously it completely depends on where we're talking about. Cause I like, we're using the analogy of the state being a lion. Like if you're right on the, on the foothill of, of fucking pride rock, maybe not the greatest idea. If you're a mile away, maybe you're in the clear. I don't know. Right. But if you're like right on the foothills and you want to be like, I want to stand up and fight. I might be like, oh, I mean, I'm going to be like, you know, do what you f- do what you feel like you need to do. But at the same time, it might be fucking retarded. So <laughs> it's kind of like you just got you got to think these things through a little bit, you know. <laughs> and if America starts to look like Canada, you got to really consider, you know, moving out or moving yeah. at least at the very minimum, getting the hell out of the cities, um, because that's where, as you said, they will have the most capacity to maintain that power structure. Um so, and and it's also going to be the most dangerous environment, not just because of the government, but because of crime and homelessness and all these other things that are kind of exogenous factors in in the collapse of the state. So, yes, I guess I guess what, would you describe me as clear pilled? What do you think? I I think so. I when I when I first contacted you for this, I was listening to you and you were like more black pilled. But I do I have noticed I've been listening to you and your thinking has changed a little bit i think uh not to say i'm like any better thinker or whatever than i have seen you shift and i have been and i have i have noticed a little bit more of a clear pilt i just think people are too like black or white black or white and it's like i, I do like the utility of the clear pill and that's like because i do think the white pill it's good to have that optimism but once that like starry eyed wears off i think you need to maintain this like all right i got fucking shit to do and to like to bring it into like how i was talking about earlier like how this applies to me like, for example, my wife's kind of pissed that I want to get out of the military because I mean, I make good fucking money. But sure. part of it is, I think going forward, you don't want to, like, even from a selfish perspective, I don't want to be fucking working for the government. Like, I haven't, like, if I'm going to retire from the military, I have nine years left. And I, I mean, I, I mean, that's a sketchy timetable. Do I, it's time, <laughs> it's nine, like, do I have nine years till my pension to where it's okay? I don't fucking know. That's kind of real so. goddamn close. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. So yeah. I'm like, am I willing to take that gamble? Because, it's not even as simple as just like, like as that as like the money. Cause it's like, I do think it's, you do not want to be dependent on the government like going forward period. Like I even agree. if it's your, like whether you're or you have a government job, whatever. And I understand, I completely understand people who are like feel trapped. I totally, even now I have this feeling like I of still course. kind of feel trapped. Like I get paid. I've been in 11 years. I get paid fucking good ass money, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, I mean, I'm do what you can. That's why I said earlier, if, if it comes down to it and I'm fucking like, say some financial hardship occurs during this period of time, the next few months, I, I, I got to fucking feed my kids. It is, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, you know, of course, but fucking like, right. I know a lot Priorities, of people will get get re about that i mean whatever you know i'm more like how pete is these days where it's kind of like cool like principles whatever i'm more like i don't know if you've read sterner that's kind of where i'm at like i have not okay i, I suggest it's great reading but he kind okay. of is like his whole thing is like morality and like principles are a spook like so like you like mora- uh, principles should serve you you shouldn't serve your principles so mm-hmm. like if, if it comes to a point where it's a conflict of like hey my kids need to eat or i gotta follow my principles sorry my kids are gonna fucking eat yeah. <laughs> Well, I, you know, whether, whether or not you view it that way, I think yeah. that's what people do. It's yeah. just like, that's like, if you're starving, you might steal from a store. Like, yeah. are you, are you actually giving up on your principles or are you just trying to survive? So yeah, I, I think it's, it's human nature. We're all going to revert to self-survival at some point. Yeah. But even from a self-survival perspective, I think it's for like, say for me, for example, I think it's actually best to get away from it. Because I I don't I don't think it's gonna be a place I want to be in the next. Oh, like, I, I agree, I, dude. So. Since I was a kid, I've been preparing to be financially free because I was so confident that the government would collapse in my lifetime and that there would be no possible chance that I would receive Social Security or any of this nonsense that they promise us—Medicare, Medicaid, all that. 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, yeah. Believe me, I am not relying on the state for fucking anything. <laughs> no, I, I, this was like a wide-eyed moment for me because I'm the opposite. Mm-hmm. I was, I knew it was going to collapse at some point, but I was thinking like a hundred years. So I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie, I was like, I'm gonna do my twenty. I'm gonna get out. I'm a mechanic, so it's not like I'm out there killing hajis. Like, right. I, mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like I can I have some moral culpability of the shit going on. But I mean, it's pretty easy. It's a lot easier to sleep at night than if I'm someone pulling the trigger. I mean, that of course, means, yeah. But like, but now it's like shit. Like this, this could collapse in fucking ten years for all I fucking know. You know, I mean, I'm thinking more like thirty to fifty. But I mean, a year ago I was thinking a hundred. So my timetable is <laughs> not that fucking accurate, obviously. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I think I think we got twenty at best before yeah. we have. A major, a major economic yeah. reset. And I think 2030 is actually my my real estimate for like when this shit actually becomes whatever it's going to become after. Um, so, yeah, I uh, if you have nine years, that puts you right at my deadline. So I don't know if I'd risk it either. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've been telling everybody who's in like if you I mean, I've been doing me wrong. I tell people who are like over 10 years, like, OK, you got to weigh that risk, whatever. I get it. Like you got if you're three years from a pension, I mean. Of course, it, yeah. It would be like uh, you'd be borderline retarded to to, <laughs> to get not. out, like yeah, you know, like okay, principles are great and all, but it's like, dude, that's a fucking pension, <laughs> right? No, for sure. Yeah. And pensions are hard, hard to come by. It's just yeah. a matter of will that pension actually buy you anything by the time you receive it, and yeah, and we'll find out. But now I've been telling anyone, if you have under ten years, get the fuck out. Like, there's no excuse whatsoever. Like, I know, because like, it's like military does a good job of like trapping you, because we get paid pretty goddamn good money. So it's like, and it's like it it definitely competes with the private market like above so it's like you're gonna have to take a a pay cut if you get out so at least in the beginning yeah Yeah. Uh, but but i think people should also keep in mind that you will never receive as much as you're potentially worth in the military like if you're if you're a really tremendous mechanic i assure you you can make more privately like if you Mm -hmm. if you grind and you put in the time or you start your own company or something like that um just from my experience I was making 50 grand a year working for my dad. And then my first year as an entrepreneur, I made six times that. So yeah, I, I would, I would always encourage anybody that has the skill set and has the capability, has the drive, has the entrepreneurial spirit, go out there and do it on your own, man. And, and do not rely on the government moving forward if you can avoid it at all. Yeah. The government does a good job of like, say for example, the mechanic thing, like, like that put like it, you can be a, you can make slightly above average like and be a shit mechanic. Right. So it's like, <laughs> you know, like it's almost too easy to be like, well, why would I go to the private market and make like less? And sure. it's, it's also kind of lulls you into not being a skilled. Cause that is a thing. Like it doesn't, it's not a meritocracy in the government. It just isn't. No, so it's like, not. Even, well, that's, even, that's why I'm saying it's, it, it'll yeah. benefit you more in the private market because mm-hmm. the private market, even though it's corrupt and it's fascistic and all this other shit that we talked about, um, it is still more of a meritocracy than any government position you'll find. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I feel like I've kept you long enough. I feel like we get a good job explaining what the clear pill is. I feel like you are fucking clear pilled. Uh, cool. So uh, you just well, need thank to you fucking for converting me, sir. <laughs> you just need to get the fuck out of Cali. Um, I, I will, man. Yeah. And then I'll then I'll overdose on white pills, aka cocaine, <laughs> in Miami. <laughs> hey, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Uh, I, I I highly suggest sex on coke if you do try. It is it's fucking fun. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Thank you for the tip. Jose Calison. I just heard from a friend. Just saying. Uh, you want to go ahead and drop your plugs, whatever you got? Sure. I am at Liberty Lockpod on Twitter, and I am Liberty Lockdown on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Liberty, uh, what's it called? Instagram. Damn it. I almost had it perfectly mm-hmm. done. Um, so, yeah, give me a follow, give me a sub, and I will catch you next time. Yeah, definitely a good follow. I highly suggest his most recent episode with Vin. Like that was I the love tits. That, that yeah. was a good episode. It was yeah, long, but it's fucking worth it. I do um, so interesting. Yeah, I love Vin. And that, you you your episode perfectly hit on the shit people were interested, especially this week. And I feel I feel like like even me, like for example, like I'm in let people know, like I mentioned in here, I'm an agorist. I'm a non-voting anarchist. And like I have my arguments for why I'm against like political involvement in general. And even then some of the shit Vin brought up made me kind of shift my thinking and think about right. it in a different way. So that's kind great. of Vin's always a great listen and you brought out a good, a good side of him in your interview. Cool. Well, so, I, I appreciate that. It was, I was very interested in getting to, I mean, not just the bottom of his book, which was fascinating and I would recommend that as well. Um, but also his little spat with Dave and, and figuring out 
you know, what his, where his heart was at, because the energy of that conversation was not very positive. So I just wanted to, to see it a little bit, you know, from all sides. And, and then I, I've started listening to him on Lions of Liberty um, earlier today, which just came out. And I think that it, they dig into it a little bit further. So um, yeah, check him out. And uh, thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to finally do it. I've been waiting to do this for a while. I mean, last time we did, I had fucking had cats give birth the night we were going to do it. So hey, I fucked it all mo- up. <laughs> money in the bank, playboy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Get that shave pussy money. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, fucking with that, I'm on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm also everywhere audio co- podcasts are at. Like I said, the Liberty Movement thing is no more. I'm going to hopefully do a do an episode here soon. Maybe by the time it's out, it'll already be one. Or a quick little blurb explaining what's going on there. Because I would like someone who would be interested to take it over. Uh, you can hit me up at libertymovementglobal at gmail.com. Give me money at patreon.com slash nowayjose2020. I like money a lot, so fucking please do that. Uh, <laughs> Give crypto, me money. <laughs> crypto and the fed.app. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. I really appreciate you coming. I can't tell you how much. I've been looking forward to this one a lot. So Awesome, man. Well, yeah. I, I hope I didn't disappoint. Thank you so much. No, it was fun. I had a good time. <laughs> With really? that, uh, deuces.